0: You are listening to Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium, brought to you by SustainableHomesOfTheFuture.com. I'm your host, Ian Sollenberger, and this podcast is for anyone that wants to collaborate and learn more about how to design and construct energy-efficient buildings for an environmentally sustainable future you have questions about how to design and build with a lower environmental impact or you'd like to come on our show as a guest please email me directly at info at shf that's sustainable homes of the future shfbuild.com uh, visit our website at shfbuild.com or find us on facebook and instagram at shfbuild our mission with this podcast is to inspire you our listeners to go out and be sustainability advocates Share these ideas so we can truly push this industry forward. We need each and every one of you to help us build the future today. Welcome back to Building the Future, the podcast where Ginger Matthews and I continue our inspirational journey toward a healthier, more sustainable future for our planet and all those that call this planet home. Join us today as we continue our exploration of new ideas, new methods, new technologies in the design build industry with our episode on sustainable landscape architecture. Now, landscape architecture is often considered sort of an afterthought to the building design, but we and others in the sustainability space, we know that it's just as important as the building itself. Um, Blended to flow together as one continuous experience, we arrange these outdoor areas to create a sequence of movement and purpose coordinated with the building architecture and its interior space. A lofty goal for sure. Uh, Welcome, Ginger. Can you share your thoughts on sustainable landscape architecture and set us up for a more detailed discussion of ways we can accomplish this goal?
1: Certainly, Ian. Uh, very glad to be here. Thanks, listeners. Um, as you mentioned, Ian, a sustainable landscape should not only be beautiful, but should exist in context with the local ecosystem and environment. So, but just as importantly, a well thought out green landscape plan can save money on materials, installation, maintenance, long term upkeep, future water bills, definitely a money saver. Like so, that. at And as you say also, uh, landscape design, as well as water management, please stay tuned for the next podcast on that subject, uh, is normally neglected in the design process. So it's not invested in very heavily by the clients. Um, We can bring the landscape architect into the design charrette early on in the game, then align the project's sustainability goals with available local and regional resources. So a concept called bioclimactic design, which is defined as the creation of a harmonious design of buildings and spaces, indoors and out, based on the local climate. And that's a a big goal here, sustainable landscape.
0: It is. And it sounds interestingly similar to a concept we introduced last week in our sustainable architecture episode called biophilic design, uh, where the architect attempts to connect a building's occupants with nature and reflect the local environment in the building design. So interesting how, you know, both fields or spheres of architecture um, have a a same sort of idea there. Uh, And both concepts have been shown to elevate mood and increase productivity for building users, which is pretty cool. Um, We've all been hearing a lot recently about how necessary it is for humanity to experience nature, sunlight, and living things for our health. Well, here is our opportunity to make sure that those benefits can be passed on to everyone interacting with the building inside and out for many years to come.
1: So Ian, uh, the first thing we need to do is take stock of what's really available already at the site and analyze how the existing environment can be incorporated in the design. So why is that so important?
0: Well, reusing materials from the site can minimize consumption of newer materials, and therefore we decrease waste, we decrease environmental pollution, um, something we talked about in depth in our episode in site analysis. But on top of that, uh, by incorporating these existing plants and site conditions into the landscape design uh, and making sure that we choose indigenous flora, we can minimize water use and allow for the continual reuse of our limited natural resources, instead of you know, having things from all kinds of different uh, geographies that are gonna need different types of water, we're, we're streamlining here. Um, are there any other benefits to mention when we commit to a sustainable landscape design, Ginger?
1: Why, yes, there is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, sustainable landscapes fight climate change by capturing carbon, mm-hmm. cleaning the air, reducing potable water usage, and increasing energy efficiency and user comfort. So we don't think of landscapes sometimes in that respect, but it certainly is true. Mm-hmm. And, and by studying and choosing local plants, you can maintain local wildlife habitats, support a balanced variety of bugs and bacteria that thrive in the local soil types. So. Reducing the need for chemical fertilizers and pesticides that damage the natural ecosystems is really important.
0: So many positive outcomes, including ones so small we can't even see, yet they have a huge <laughs> and health benefit. Very Yes,
1: cool. bugs and bacteria.
0: <laughs> uh, we mentioned local climate, both when studying the site and also implementing the design. So let's define the term climate zone. Um, I actually went on Google and I found a map that outlined 26 different climate zones in the United States. So here we go. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, there are some pretty minute differences uh, from region to region. But for today, we're just going to list the five major climate zones, uh, which are tropical, dry, temperate, continental, and polar, all of which exist to some degree here in the US. So if you ever talk about any or hear anybody talk about climate zone one or climate zone five,
1: and each different zone, you'll find there's varying soil types, of course, uh, different amounts of moisture, nutrients in the soil, very different weather patterns in each zone. So e- that needs to be considered every time you come into the landscape design initiative in the beginning uh, when exploring what to plant, how to design the outdoor space, and what kind of uh, green initiative you have for your landscape. So look up your projects climate zone study up on native plants in that area. That's that's the mandate here So site materials also on planting should work together and reflect an in-depth understanding of the local conditions and the local environment So we'll be talking a lot more about rainwater irrigation systems in our water management episodes So stay tuned uh, I wanted to mention, of course, how important the hardscape materials are when it comes to reducing the environmental impact.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and Ginger, to be clear, the word hardscape refers to pavers, decks, outdoor furnishings, stone gravel, anything else used to create that outdoor design that aren't the actual plants, right?
1: Right, right, right. So outdoor design elements like pools, retaining walls, trellises um, also fall into that category. So, So just like the materials used for the building itself, you have environmentally friendly choices with everything from pavers to mulch. Many of these can utilize locally sourced materials or be made from materials on the site itself. So the goal is to minimize use of new materials and reduce transportation of those other materials to reduce carbon emissions, two really important concepts in sustainable design. So it's important to consider durability and the life, life cycle cost of all your materials and by yeah. utilizing permeable materials for your hardscape, you can also reduce storm water runoff, which causes soil erosion and is very detrimental to the local sewer systems in the waterways.
0: Yeah, here in California, uh, we are forced to be really diligent about runoff because everything flows directly to the ocean. So whatever we do not only has a huge impact on the land, but also on the sea environment as well. And on the flip side, we also have 10 months of very dry Mm -hmm. weather. So uh, by choosing drought tolerant plants, ones that are native to this area, we take our year-long weather conditions into consideration. If you bring your landscape architect to the table early on, and you educate your clients on what is actually possible, then there are many landscape design strategies that won't break the bank and can have a huge effect on lessening overall ecological impact. Uh, but you gotta do it at the beginning of the project. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the difficult piece. Um, mm-hmm. Ginger, I'm curious, are there any sustainability strategies that can be considered irregardless of climate zone or project size? Um, we're talking about the differences, but what about something that can just you know, cross the board?
1: Across the board. Well, not too many folks have heard of these ideas, but the design of a green roof, hmm. green walls. I've seen absolutely gorgeous green walls uh, designed for buildings and a roof garden can, be, can contribute to the sustainability Love of any idea. project along the way. Yeah, so across the climate zone. So a green roof or garden can add to your connection with nature on a project of any size in any location. So on a larger urban project, green roof can help to reduce runoff, hmm. as well as something we call the heat island effect, which is an urban area that is significantly warmer than its surrounding areas due to the human activities. So that's a heat island effect. And the,
0: and the buildings and all the built environment just kind of soaking up that sun and actually raising
1: the temperature, right? right? It raises the temperature for the, for the area. So that's been studied quite a lot in recent years contributes to higher city temperatures and therefore climate change as a whole.
0: Yeah, it's sort of this, this downward spiral, unfortunately. Um, and you know, similarly, as we've mentioned before in the site analysis episode, um, we can use plants uh, to open up or shade certain areas for passive heating and cooling, which checks off just about every sustainability box um, and <laughs> yep. minimizes our use of mechanical systems, HVAC system, which, which is the largest load um, in a lot of cases in a building, um, energy load wise. And you know, it's interesting, I read somewhere that eliminating or reducing the size of a traditional lawn is probably the number one uh, way to reduce water in your landscape design. And you see a lot of gravel yards and artificial turf out here in California um, due to drought conditions. And you know we all saw that very first over in those desert landscapes in Arizona, New Mexico, the Southwestern climate. Um, and now some of the sort of on the, on the, you know, dry to moderate or dry to temperate, you know, we're starting to introduce those things as well as we get have less and less water. Um, what are your thoughts on traditional lawns, Ginger?
1: Well, I happen to love lawns myself personally. <laughs> <are> beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I have to give them up for a sustainable reason. Uh, but for most geographic areas, you can find grasses that are native to the area so they're you know they're using less water um to thrive so if your client is going for specific aesthetic using artificial turf that's a great alternative too so you
0: still get that lawn look
1: yeah you get that there's some native grasses and then the artificial turf as well so another aspect to think about um is also lighting uh, for your lighting design outdoors should be low energy even better solar light fixtures with a light color and brightness. You don't wanna interfere with nighttime wildlife. We don't often think about that aspect of things, but we wanna, we wanna uh, encourage wildlife in our landscape design. So, and this also reduces costs over time. So that's all I have, Ian. So any other topics for today?
0: Uh, well, I will mention that I currently have six solar uh solar lanterns in my tree out in front of my house ah I'm staring at right now um oh, and they're no. pretty cool yeah you just turn them on and they have little solar panels on the top of them so they're soaking up the sun during the day <laughs> and then they yeah. light up at night and you don't have to have them plugged in or anything it's fantastic
1: mm-hmm. zero energy <laughs> usage
0: there we go State-
1: Stay tuned for our energy episode next.
0: Exactly. Um, I think today, you know, we pretty much focused on the low hanging fruit. Uh, You know, I can't (laughs) resist a pun. So let's finish, I guess, by talking about another idea, edible landscape, uh, which is an exciting opportunity to bring sustainability to our landscape with the added benefit of providing food for the building's occupants. I mean, as long as you're using native you know things lemon trees, peach trees, you know stuff that thrives in the environment you 're in what could be more sustainable than that
1: mm-hmm. not too much
0: um, we 're going to dive into water management in our very next episode, followed by energy after that one and we 're going to show how we mm-hmm. can use integrated systems um, and automation uh, technology to maximize our design and minimize impact ecological impact by designing for the future of the building. It should be really uh, fun conversation, lots more ideas and, and fun. Uh, innovations to throw your way.
1: And as always, we encourage you, our listeners, to reach out with questions, suggestions for new topics or new guests. Uh, We'd love to talk to them.
0: Yeah, feel free to email me at info at shfbuild, sustainablehomesofthefuture, shfbuild.com. And please tell your friends, um, share our link, contribute, just listen, whatever you feel inclined to do. Thank you, Ginger, as always, for your invaluable input um and please feel free to visit our website at shfbuild.com
1: thank you ian see you next time
0: thank you fellow green building enthusiasts for listening to the building the future podcast and until next time do your research and consider the endless number of native plants and materials you can use to make your landscape beautiful and practical happy planting